answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are with us today. As we talk about financial matters, both myself and my co-host here, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays helping people like yourself plan their financial futures, and we broadcast on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. When we come into the studio, we think, what what is our goal? What are we trying to do? We want people to live a more comfortable, peaceful life, regarding their money, especially in retirement, so that they're comfortable in their retirement. They're comfortable with how their dollars are invested, the decisions they're making, uh, and their lifestyle in retirement. Well, that's a good point. I mean, um, it's funny because <laughs> as we all seek comfort and security in life, yes. I actually have on my desk at home, I have a little phrase I cut out from somewhere. I think I typed it up. View comfort and what was it? It's obviously made a big impression. <laughs> View comfort and safety as your enemy, risk and uncertainty as your friend. That is what I have on there. Really? It's because I don't want my own personal life, not when it comes to my financial matters, but in other areas of life, I don't want to spend my life just trying to focus on personal comforts. That's not where I'm going to grow or be fulfilled, that sort of thing. But when it comes to financial matters, I'm totally clear with you there, Pat. Our role as advisors is to help people with their finances so that this is one area of their life that they don't have to have a lot of concern over. Yes. And, and the reality is for the average American, your retirement savings is, is the way that you have stored your labor in order to exchange those dollars in your retirement when you can no longer labor. And labor being working at a computer or building a house or whatever that labor happens to be, you're taking a portion of your labor today and you're storing it. And the big question is, well, how do you store it? Right? Do I put it in something that is completely safe with no risk and then expose myself to inflation? Or do I put it into something that it's going to grow, 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 but has great volatility and may lose some value? Or is it a combination of and the two? Pat, it is such a challenging time right now. With uh, The feds came out and said that the interest rate's going to be zero for three years, maybe. Oh. Yeah, they, they telegraph that basically don't worry about any changing uh, interest rates rising. That's right. They, and they keep, they're keep they keeping long-term rates low by they're buying all these bonds. In the secondary market, which, may be, giving, which may be giving a false sense of uh, security to the markets as a whole. Well, there's the old adage, don't fight the Fed, right? So that's what the Fed's been up to. And uh, so what it means, though, is that safe investments don't yield anything. Yeah. And there is risk, especially in this marketplace. You see these IPOs come out. Snowflake, which is um, essentially a data warehouse mining where you, you put your data in a warehouse and they've built tools that you could actually mine that data um, it, for businesses in order to get better intelligence to make better decision making. So, yeah, Snowflake uh, did an IPO this week, this company. I don't know how old it is. Not very old. Um, but... The, the 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 price more than doubled on the first day of trading. It gave it a market value of seventy billion dollars. Wow. wow, one of the largest IPOs ever. So, investors said, "Wow, we think this company is worth seventy billion dollars," which is up by basically it's about four times as large as what the company was thinking the business was worth just a couple weeks ago. Do you do you think that we're we're kind of in a dot com boom again a little bit, Scott? Like the nineteen ninety seven. I'm a no expert on Snowflake uh, and uh, haven't done a tremendous amount of research on them, but I'll, I'm just from the basic kind of from a purely financial standpoint, looking from an outsider. The last six months, and in July 31st, 
their revenue was $242 million. That's amazing. That's a revenue. So let's call it $500 million a year. Yes. Let's double that. Let's just say that they're growing at a rate that it's a billion dollars in revenue. And it's sold for 70 times its revenue, not its earnings. Yeah, so it's, a, it's sold for 140 times, maybe actually based on this, 150 times their revenue. That's crazy. Do you feel a little bit like... Well, that's what this made me feel like. But, but, it's but, not pets.com or but, something like that. But Shopify is market capitalization, which means the total value of the, of the outstanding stock at Shopify. What the heck is Shopify. It is a, it's a platform that allows small retailers to sell uh, on the internet. Has a market capitalization, last I looked, uh, equal to or greater than that of Target. Equal to or greater than that of Target. And which means you, the market, which means investors are betting that they're going to, that Target's long term is not going to do well. And that this will. Yes, that's what they're betting. Yeah. But then when you look at Facebook, Google, Netflix, all the um, those companies, you're just the the prices are astounding uh, based on their earnings, the multiple of earnings. But the stocks keep going up. Tesla stock keeps going up. Well, here's the strange thing. It kind of feels like the late '90s to me. Well, if you drill down, yeah. Well, you look at something like Snowflake, and it's I scratch my head. I'm like, how can something trade for 150 times its revenue? Well, now there's three types of snowflakes: the real snowflake, the people, the snowflakes, and now the company. (laughs) (laughs) Which snowflake are we talking about here? That if we look, if we look at uh, kind of how the markets have performed here. And and this is through data through uh, about a week ago. All right, so it's close enough, but it gives you it gives you an idea. So year to date, the broad market uh, S and P five hundred up four uh, percent. Which think back in March, April, that we'd be actually saying that the market was up for the year. To, in order to get that, that means you've also uh, in a, roughly a, a quarter of the of that capitalization as those stocks that you just mentioned, right? So yeah. a handful of stocks are driving that higher. But if we break it down further, if we look at large company growth stocks, they are up 18% uh, for the year. Which means that value down 11% for the year. The worst performer, small cap value, Year to date, down 21%. Now, these are companies, value companies tend to have better current earnings, better current prospects. Lower price for the stock relative to their earnings. Value stocks as a general general rule. Down 21%. Even small cap growth companies year to date are down 8%. And even if we go a year out, we're still looking at uh, small caps are negative for a year. And what do you think drives that? Do you have any sort of a thesis around this, Scott? Momentum? Well, a lot of it, it feels like momentum. And if you look at the number of people trading today on things like Robinhood, there's trading, right? The industry made trades free, trading options almost free, or at Tra- least it looks like it's Trading free. partial shares. You don't even have to buy a whole share. You know, parts of a share of a stock. People, uh, you know, when there's no sports betting going on, people turn to betting on the stock market. Good point. I think there's a lot of speculation right now. It's a really, it's a really interesting time. And I think for investors, um, we talked about, Pat, you were mentioning equating to stored labor. I think people need to be really careful about how those dollars are allocated. And like what happens when the, a new shock comes? Something that we're not expecting right now. What then? What's the black swan? Yeah, and to make sure that your portfolio is structured in such a manner that you're designed to weather whatever that new storm is going to be. So I had a conversation with a uh, with a client. Uh, so we have, I don't know how many advisors work. Here. 80 plus. 80 plus advisors at all works. But I have a few clients. Scott has a, a few clients. Uh, but we've been practicing advisors for almost 30 years. Uh, so I had a client who asked me, well, what about these Protection, can we buy something, put options on the market, protection to give me some downside protection? And I said, yes, you can. But the reality is it's really expensive expensive, (laughs) and 
they oftentimes don't protect for what they call black swan or once in um, two decades or three decades occurrence like a pandemic. Right. <laughs> right. So they'll blow through those backstops. And they said, so w- the way you want to think about your portfolio is how do you live through financially comfortably market cycles? And I said, so we're talking about exactly. his own portfolio, which is we make sure that you have enough money not at risk in your portfolio to weather out the storms. To weather out the storms so that the things that are at risk or have market volatility have time to recover. And then you convert those at risk to not at risk in order to keep your portfolio well balanced so that we're not buying expensive insurance products for the downside in the market. And he and his response was, Wow, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Which is, look, you can insure for it if you want. It's very expensive. But it's really expensive. And it isn't insure. And long term, that, that insurance cost will take a tremendous drag in your portfolio. That's right. That's right. So it, it's just better to actually accept the volatility in the marketplace and make sure that your portfolio is properly allocated in order to weather these types of storms. And, and if you want to invest in something like a Snowflake IPO, use it for a small percentage of your portfolio. Right? So- Look, particularly at retirement time, this isn't the time of your life when you can afford to make mistakes with your dollars. Yeah, this is, most people in retirement don't have time to recover. Anyway, why don't we take some calls? 833-99-WORTH is the number to be part of All Worth's Money Matters. 833-99-WORTH. We're starting off with Dennis. Dennis, thanks for being part of All Worth's Money Matters. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my wife and I lived for many years in Sacramento and always appreciated uh, the great uh, impartial advice you guys came out for. Oh, thank uh, you, Dennis. Where do you live now? Yeah, where do you live now, Dennis? Idaho, <laughs> Texas? Santa Cruz on the Monday. Oh, Day. got it. Got it. Very nice. So my, my question uh, is about uh, kind of the two-pronged question about RMDs and refinancing a mortgage. All right. Um, I can give you a little background on it. Both my wife and I are retired. Um, I turn 69 next month, and my wife is 67. Uh, We've been retired for about eight years. Um, We have, and we did follow your advice. At the time we retired in Sacramento, we owned our home outright. Um, and we then bought a house with those proceeds outright here in Santa Cruz. But four years ago, we decided we're really not touching uh, the retirement savings, the nest egg. Let's get a place we really love. So we now have um, a just a hair under a million dollar mortgage. Okay. Okay. Um, we we both have uh, we have. Uh, Three pensions uh, between us, and we both are receiving Social Security, so we have a, a fairly reliable income of about you know two hundred and fifty thousand a year, and we have about two point seven million uh, saved for retirement, and of that, um, about two point two million is in my wife's IRAs and. You know, tax deferred accounts, about 288000 is in my deferred account, and the rest is in post, um, post-tax post uh, investments. And since I'm turning 69, I know that RMDs are coming up into my future. Um, we're currently in that 24% tax bracket, um, but the next big jump up is 8% more to 32%. Yeah. So what, we're, what I'm thinking is, we probably should have started this earlier, is we start converting uh, into uh, Roth IRAs, um, just enough to keep a, our nose under that 32% yep. in taxes each year. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife is only 67, and since she has the bulk of it, um, you know, that would give us a Looking few at hers, years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have five if years. You do the cal- yeah, if you do the calculations on R&Ds her first year, uh, she would be required to take out something like eighty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, assuming her. You know, yeah. that's a yeah. Big, I know. Change, but anyway, our current mortgage. 
uh, is a 30-year mortgage at 3.875. And we've gone to a broker to look at financing options. Um, one, and we pay about uh, $4,700 a month in mortgage. And of course, we really pay a lot in property tax, 2000 a month in property yeah. tax. But you know what? But uh, you're in the place you want to be in your retirement, and, you and you've got plenty of money to afford it. So. Yeah, yeah. So good for we, you. We love it. It's just, it's just so, it was a wonderful move that we, we made four years ago when we uh, took this giant leap. But right now, in terms of refinancing, we could actually go to a 15 year mortgage at only two and a quarter percent, but we have to get out of the jumbo loan. Yes, I was block. hoping you were going to go that direction. Well, and to and that means a $765,000 mortgage, which means we'd need to come up with, uh, you know, a, pay that difference. It ends up being about $165,000 yes. to close the loan. But, but Dennis, but you, wait, but you mentioned three things in the retirement plan. You mentioned your IRA, your wife's IRA, and then you said that there was money outside of IRAs. Yeah, how much is that? How yeah. much is that? Um, we have... Uh, we have about $297,000 in non-tax-deferred accounts. Okay. We also have about a quarter million in cash. Okay. Oh, plus two fifty in cash. Oh, this is easy. Yeah. So you're going to uh, – I don't know why it matters really if you get a 15- or 30-year. Um, I told I mean, yeah, it's a no-brainer <laughs> to take, from my opinion, take the money out of the bank, the cash that you're earning next to nothing on. Pay down the mortgage. Pay down the mortgage so you can get a conforming loan. Uh, at because uh, jumbo rates uh, are really expensive right now relative to conforming loans. Well, actually, the to if uh, we went with a three-year fix instead, we would we would be offered a three percent interest rate. But it does mean that our monthly mortgage would drop from forty-seven hundred to thirty-nine hundred a month. Um, and we're thinking, well, no matter which 15 year, 30 year, you know, 15 year, I'm, I'll be like 84 years old yeah, at right. time yeah. for moving into assisted living. <laughs> right. So really, you know, and we have no children, um, you know, we don't, uh, we'll be giving away to charity, probably whatever money we have. Um, okay. And well, so wait, wait, let's stop. We, <laughs> let's stop for a second here. Let's stop for a second here. So sure. if that is the case. If that is the case and you have no children uh, and the money is going to uh, charities at your death, then you should consider uh, taking those RMDs and going directly to the charities while you're alive. Okay. Right? So you can take... Yeah, I've heard of doing that. Uh-huh. I mean, if this is... If, to Pat's point, if this is true, if this is truly... It sounds to me like, I mean, you haven't, you haven't taken any money from your retirement accounts, Right. Oh, a little bit, but how much? Not much. Okay. We uh, we re-roofed and we did some big projects on this place. We took a little bit of money, sixty thousand or something out. Okay, so I mean, I like I actually like the concept of converting some to a Roth today. Um, uh-huh. But when you hit the required minimum distributions under current law. Uh, which is now permanent part of the law, you've got the option to, instead of taking those distributions yourself, you can send them directly to a charity or charities. Yes. So for many of our clients at the beginning of the year, they give us a list of their charities. And some of them, we do it on a quarterly basis and some we do it on an annual basis. And they say, okay, well, I want a quarter of my retire- required minimum distribution to go to these four charities and they tell us how they want to get paid out. We don't like to do it any more than quarterly just because it's a pain in the butt for us, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> quite frankly. And it achieves the same objective. So um, that's one of the ways. So I agree with Scott. You should do... That's something, something to consider because what it sounds like right now, you're trying to figure out how do I maximize cash flow? How do I reduce my mortgage costs as much as possible? And how do I deal with my retirement accounts when I've got this looming tax bill over my head. Yeah. So exactly. if, you, if you were sitting in. And, all- and if you just said to us, we have no kids long-term charity's going to get it. Well, then. And it doesn't have to be all the requirement of distribution. You could start with a small, uh, some portion of it, but. 
That would be clearly in my toolbox of considerations when I'm doing my planning okay. at this point. But if, uh-huh. if Dennis and their wife were sitting in the office, you'd say, look, um, go ahead and, and pay down that to get to a conforming loan. No question. And do a 30-year rate mortgage because that way you, you have more you, free cash you to have spend. more free cash and if you at some point in time you want what's to the actually, rush of paying enough so yeah what's the, in, who, yeah so the charity is you're not going to spend all this money in your lifetime i would encourage you to actually spend more money that's if you were comfortable doing that yeah well we've always traveled a lot for the last 45 years we've been an incredible amount of traveling but of course that's not right now. Yeah, yeah. But when you travel, <laughs> now you can't even go to the beach. So Dennis, when you travel, do you travel first class? Do you sit in first class? No. Okay. From Only now on, once. you, okay. <laughs> look, from now on, we want you to sit in first <laughs> class. We want it's you to. Hard. My wife is jumping up and down. Listen, <laughs> listen, Dennis, I tried to sit in first class and you know what my wife said to me? I bought you a neck pillow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, truly, I mean, you're talking about just a lay flat seat, right? A business class seat of some sort. But I mean, I think it's some of those things to consider. And here's the funny thing, the challenging thing. You are in this position because you've been good savers. We get, we saved a lot. Right? And you had jobs where you you had a pretty high assurance you're going to get a pension. So you could have said, you know what? Let's just blow it all. And you've always lived a little below your means and you saved. And now you're at retirement with... Uh, roughly three million. Well, you've got three million dollars in savings when you count the money you've got in the bank as well, and you've got pensions and Social Security bringing in two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. I mean, it's like, and presumably you have probably a million dollars of equity in the house. Yes, we do. So the house is we the house it's two million, uh, and so uh, what we rolled into it was a million dollars. Yes, yeah. that was that uh, that was my million dollar loan. That was my guess. So um, there's. Uh, what I would do if you're sitting in my office, we would have this conversation. Any of our advisors would have this conversation, which is, listen, you're not going to take it with you. You worked for it. It's hard to actually spend money with someone that's saved yeah, as well as you that's have. That's you have it. If you would have traveled, go talk to someone at the Mercedes dealership and ask them who the typical buyer is. <laughs> Seriously. And how hard they work to get the financing for those cars, Right. I mean, you didn't drive a Mercedes over the years. You didn't travel business class. And that's why you've got all these dollars saved. So you want to do all those things. You want to convert your IBRA to the Roth till required minimum distribution. And then at that point in time, you want to sit down with your advisor or if you don't have one and you've got one on the air, um, then you want to actually look to see where those dollars should go to charities, charity or charities Mm -hmm. for a portion of that. Some of it can come as income. And then you want to actually take that money out of the bank, pay down that mortgage, get a conforming 30-year fixed rate mortgage. And then slowly, you don't have to do it all at once, you can start spending more money. And I'll tell you a quick story. I have a client who I've had for years and years and years and years. Great guy. Great, great guy. Grew up dirt poor. Was an incredible saver until his mid-70s. Um, when we started talking about, and he had no, no children, by the way. And I said, okay, I want you to start traveling first class. And he did it. And he said, we now stay, love to go on cruises, stay at the nicest cruise lines, nicest rooms. And then now they fly first class. Well, two years ago, he called me and asked me if he could charter a jet. (laughs) He said, now you hit the limit. (laughs) And I said to him, slow down. (laughs) But we did. That's a jump we could never make. But but we did the numbers. We did the numbers. We did the numbers. Uh, He has more than enough income. And subsequently, about once a year, he charters a jet for his wife and his friends, and they go somewhere special. It is his big splurge. And now, f- for him, that might be fun. It might, for others, would say that would has zero appeal whatsoever. But the, the cool th- thing that you've got going for you, you've got more assets than you need, and it gives you a chance at this stage in life to say, what do we want these dollars to do? What impact can we have, whether it's on ourselves and friends and charting a jet, which is when, yep. when some, and or it, maybe it's with some cause that we feel we feel strongly about. It's you're not it's going all to, those things. You're not going to run out of money. Um, in fact, uh, uh, once you hit 
eighties, you're not even going to be able to spend if you're like most people in their eighties, you're not even going to be able to spend the money from the pensions because your health won't allow for it. You won't be as mobile. So the yeah. next 10 years, you just, you know, but it's, it's psychologically, it's hard getting there. Um, because the reason- and we're not trying to tell you how you should be thinking about right. this, but the fact that you, I think those are bigger issues to like what these dollars are going to, to do. What impact can you ha- use these dollars for? I think that's actually a bigger issue than the mechanics. Of, we just yeah. gave you the mechanics of what you should do yeah. with the money. Yeah. But what, what we want you to do is think about this, have this discussion with your wife and, you know, either, you know, it, the reality is you're not going to run out of money. If you run out of money, you can move in with me. <laughs> How's that? And for years I've told people, particularly don't want to take my advice. I'm like, Hey, you can't move in with me, so. But I'm confident, confident enough to say that if, if Dennis and his wife run out of money, they can move in. Okay, with me. good. Right. <laughs> I'm sure Kathy will feel great about that. We're gonna take a quick break. Stick around for more of All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Matt McClain. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, money is a funny thing. It is. Money is a funny thing. Um, so speaking of money, we'd like you to go to our website, allworthfinancial.com. And the reason is we have... Um, a number of new articles and we track what you might find this hard to believe, but we actually track what people are actually looking at on our website. We can see who is looking at what and two uh, resources on our website that have been doing really, really well, which is one is the three big ways retirement planning has changed. So I'd like to take a look at that. And the other one is our retirement resources guide. So that is at allworthfinancial.com. I do need to make one other statement. We have asked people in the past that listen to our podcast to please rate it. Unfortunately, Review it. Uh, uh, review it. Is it? Review. Review. It. Review. Review it. Unfortunately, not every podcast platform allows for reviews. But the Apple podcast platform does allow for that. So if your platform that you're consuming your podcast from allows for reviews, please review us. If it doesn't, then you can't. And the reason I'm saying that is because our uh, people in radio said that people have been calling saying, hey, Scott and Pat asked to review their podcast and we don't know how because there's no, but I guess not every podcast platform. But it's kind of, even on, uh, on the Apple, I, I, whatever the thing I listen to, my podcast, Apple podcast on my phone, even that's sometimes a little hard to figure out how to review something. Cause I'll review some other podcasts sometimes. I should do that. I ask people to do it all the time. I, I, the ones you like, you should go and review. I should. I tell people about them and I send them to other people. I share podcasts quite a bit, but I don't, um, I share with my children a lot. What, what am I trying you know to say? I've learned. <laughs> what am I trying to say here? <laughs> if something comes from me to my older kids, it, it might as well not even. <laughs> right. It's got a negative effect. My wife, Valerie, say, well, let's, why don't we tell, let's communicate this. With, I'm like, I look at it like, first of all, don't you think they heard that about 8,000 times when they were living with us? And now if I say it to them, they're, they're, it's got a negative I, effect. Yeah, it's correct. I mean, what are the opposites? What are, I mean, anyway. But my daughter will share podcasts with me quite often. I like them. A little liberal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, do, I was having lunch with my son a while back. I said, can we talk about something else besides politics, please? Because I think he likes to poke at me a little. And... Uh, He's like, well, there's a lot going on in the world right now, Dad. I'm like, okay, oh, we can't sit and have this conversation. Can't we just be like I was with my parents and talk about the weather? <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's go back to calls. Eight three three ninety nine worth is our number. We're talking with Joan. Joan, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi. Hi, Joan. Hi. Um. So, do you want me to go ahead and just? 
please. All we know about you is that your name is Joan and you've been very patient waiting for us to take that is the That is the most we know about you. And maybe so, you haven't been patient. Maybe you've been cursing and stuff, but we haven't heard any of that. From our perspective, <laughs> yeah. you've been patient. So what, okay. tell us about your situation and we, uh, we'll see if we can help. Okay. So I'm 62. Um, my father recently passed and he had a home that is currently where the value is about 350000 It is paid off. I have a home. And it's probably around the two fifty two sixty range. It still I owe ninety thousand on my house. Um, I have two four hundred one ks that are from eons ago. One was like fifteen years ago. One was like eight years ago. And one is twenty four thousand in the four hundred one k. The other's about twenty three thousand um, in cash assets. I have about a hundred and fifty thousand. And um, that's there's also the assets of my father's that hasn't been accumulated, which I don't know is going to amount to much more than ten thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, so my questions are: um, I'm like many callers right now. I'm thinking of leaving California, um, and um, so I want to sell my dad's house right away. I feel like the market is good. And did your did your dad have a trust set up or a yes. will? He had a trust set up? Yes. That and are there sense. any other beneficiaries other than yourself on your father's trust? There is one. Okay. A sibling? Yes. Okay, so it's half-half? It's half-half. Okay. But ended up that kind of got a little diluted to things being – settled where this is what I'm going to take. Okay. So, is, so this yeah. is at the end of it, it's $360,000. Right. Okay. And, and then there's also some cash assets. Okay. Well, you said 10,000 and you said the value of the home was 350. So I added them together. So 360. Um, well, no, the, the 10,000 might be like estate sale vehicle. Et oh, how much cash assets are there then? About 150. Okay. God, that was the 150,000 cash. Okay. So, okay. Got it. Yeah. Got so it. this is an yeah. opportunity for you to make sure your retirement is secure. Are you retired yeah. now? Yes. Well, I'm on Social Security Disability at 62. And how much do you receive a month? Uh, 1400 Okay. And what have you been living on up until now? Just that? Yes, that and, and some, just some help from some family. Um, so I want, I did want to preface by saying that I have, um, led an extremely conservative life all of my life, uh, very much, a just survival type mode. So this is, I'm not an investor. I'm not, you know, savvy in finances and so forth. So this is all new ground yeah. for me. When and, you, Joan, when you were working, how much money did you make a year approximately? Um, my last year, I was about uh, ninety thousand. Prior okay. to that, I was ranging anywhere from sixty to seventy thousand. And how long have you been disabled? It will be. This is the fifth year. Okay, thank you. What are your? Th let's assume that the estate is settled. What are your thoughts? So my thoughts. I had a couple of different questions. So my thoughts were um, moving out of state. <laughs> And um, buying property um, in another state, and on top of that, I've got this ninety thousand um, uh, dollar left to be paid on my mortgage, right. which is a five point seven percent interest rate. Yikes. Okay. So, That's yeah. And so I, my initial thought was take the money from the house, put it into the house that I have currently. I'm I'm residing in. And, and get kind of a return on my investment of 5.7 yep. until I make that final decision to move. Perfect. And, or do I, you know, not put the money in it because I'm thinking of selling, but I'm not a hundred percent. Let me ask you this. Myself. What's driving you to leave California where you've yeah. lived? Why are you leaving? Are you going someplace where you know someone, where you have children, where, what, what, what other, what's driving that decision-making? Other than the fires and... <laughs> 
and the, <laughs> and the high tech tax and, rates and the high and the blackouts. Other than those three things, what's driving you to leave? Okay, because those are what's driving me. <laughs> no, no. Um, but also, I have um, two two children. Well, one is married with three children, so I have um, grandchildren, and we're all we are thinking of all going together. But nobody has left yet. Got it. Okay. So. So there's the, the, I wouldn't be going alone. It wouldn't be like I'm, uh, you know, going into complete, I'll have my family with me when I do go. And that's where I was trying to decide between investing in something that we can all enjoy, uh, maybe have a mother-in-law house on the same property where I have some privacy, um, or do I spend my money on a um, long-term care insurance policy so that my children aren't burdened with me? in 20 years or so those were different thoughts that i had as well so you've got i mean with this you've got five six hundred thousand she's got five tenths a three um three fifty one fifty was inheriting five hundred and that's another hundred and fifty thousand of so no the one fifty was actually included in that was part of the dad's estate i understand okay the house at three fifty that's five hundred yeah, and her home's got about one hundred fifty thousand of equity in it. Okay, so six hundred and fifty thousand dollars of cash. Okay, um, you. I mean, if you if long term care was a huge concern, you could take some portion of that and buy a policy that will guarantee some costs in the future. But part of my thought is that's a lot of money to pay for care. That's many years of care if someone actually needed care. And uh, before I right. bought the insurance, I think. I'd, I'd really take a good look at it because you might have enough assets to self-insure for that. Uh, here's what I think you should do. Uh, immediately pay down that 5.7% interest with that. Okay. So, and you're not going to move, you're not going to leave the state until you sell that's right. father's house. And you're not going to leave until the, it sounds like the whole family's going to, you know, mass exodus. Um, you can load up the wagon. Right. It's like going the other direction. It's like the Okies Over going the- backwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's the grapes of wrath going the other direction. Um, I'd, I'd actually pay that down immediately, and I'd probably keep it all in cash until I knew what I was going to do. Just okay. in the bank. Here's the. And I wouldn't let anyone try to no. talk me into a big old no. fat annuity Don't with all kinds anything. of guarantees. Don't buy anything. anything. And the reason being is the, the, the reason we're saying. People are listening and they're like, why wouldn't she invest it in moderate uh, portfolio? We, you don't know what you're going to do. Two reasons. One, you don't know what to do. Two, you have very little experience with investments. And the number one reason that people have poor investment performance is not based upon the, uh, the financial markets. It's based upon their reactions to the markets. And the less experience one has my experience has been that the worst, the worst decisions they make. And it, it, and it, it is, it, you, I think you need to have eyes wide open that it's not, that it's not the easiest thing to do when you're 62 and for the first time having a substantial sum to invest, it can be done. But the biggest, my number one concern is that someone's going to sell you some product, going to talk you into something. Cause I've seen that I'm doing this 30 years. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people inherit money they didn't. They weren't in great financial shape ahead of time. They inherit money that could put them in a place where finances is no longer a concern, and yet they 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 get sold financial products. They get promised these high returns. They they ask Scott, "What do you think about investing in silver?" And crazy stuff, so, right? I remember twenty years ago, you met with a widow that had a large inheritance. Her husband had died, and someone had talked her into buying a big, huge annuity so that it would protect. Keep it off the tax return so the kid could get some sort of scholarship for school. Do you remember this? And then she came yes. back three years later wanting us to unwind the thing somehow. And I was, know who you're talking about because he was a friend of mine. He was killed in a car accident. And it was his and, wife. And um, I'm, she was a client of the firm for a while and freaked out in the financial crisis. And I said, why don't you go buy a couple rental properties instead because at least you understand those because you're going to do damage to yourself. And I just heard a few weeks ago that she's having financial problems. And she had, it was a yeah. substantial sum she had from this car accident. And my stomach churned when I heard that. It's, it's, so in your situation, uh, don't let anyone sell you anything. 
pay down as soon as you can take and pay down that mortgage. And then for that period of time, you're going to receive 5.7% on $90,000, right? Which is right. what the, the cost of money is. And then wait. And yeah, I sell, like the idea. Sell that house, sell your father's house, stick the money in two banks. So you've got FDIC insurance. Or go to Synchrony um, or an online bank and get a little bit higher return. Yeah, but with the FDIC limits, you want two, two accounts. And uh, he, and it, here's what I would caution you on. It is, I like the idea of buying a house from the mother-in-law unit, that sort of thing, if that makes sense. I don't know what the relationship you have with your children is or will be. Um, but just make sure that your children don't become dependent upon you. Yes, financially. Financially. Right, because um, you're not. You don't have. There's not that much money. You you are not rich by any means, right? And this right. can set That's, you up forever. And maybe you go in together and buy. Are your kids financially stable? They they are they are stable. They don't have a lot of um, asset though at all. But they both have good professional careers that are still vital in this economy. Perfect. Good. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Good. So uh, do like we said, just pay off the mortgage, keep the rest in cash. Use an I, online I'm glad bank. you didn't say, well, my son-in-law has had trouble keeping a job for the last 15 years. Well, that would have been, right. that would have been alarm bells. <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah, they, they, he's a great they, guy, but he just can't seem to keep a job. Yeah. This is, are you guys breaking up a little or is it just on my end? You can hear me. Okay. I oh hear you yeah. Fine. You sound great. Um, okay. Two two other quick questions we didn't mention is I've got those two four hundred one ks that uh, <clears throat> excuse me ones with like Fidelity ones with Vanguard they they've been sitting there with these two employers for years um, I've never rolled them or anything is that is there anything wrong with keeping them with these ex employers uh, not not necessarily it all depends how they are invested. With those two previous employers, and my They're guess, very well, then that then doesn't really matter. If, if you're gonna, okay. if it's gonna be conservative, it's not gonna much matter. It's you might actually matter. have a higher yield if you're just gonna leave them in. Yeah. So okay. if they're if they're conservative, it it doesn't much matter. I don't think for the long term that's probably gonna be your best. No, I wouldn't leave be. them. I wouldn't leave them there forever. But I, I, of all the things you're dealing with right now, I would the back burner those. Yes. Okay. And and if I was to end up selling both properties this year and making that move, um, you wouldn't necessarily advise me taking a lump sum, a few hundred thousand, and putting down toward a property that I might reside with family. No, I don't. Oh, there's no, no, no problem no, with that. No, That's probably be a great idea. Not at all. Not at all. It oh. wouldn't be a bad idea at all. That don't have a big mortgage though. Yeah. It don't fall be a bad in love idea. with some big fancy ranch. We, yeah. Don't do that. Um, and the bigger the place, the more upkeep, but you paying cash for a house in, in Boise, Idaho or in Winnemucca, Nevada, that, that, that would be fine. <laughs> Winnemucca. <laughs> I'm sure you can get a place pretty cheap in Winnemucca. <laughs> I've driven through Winnemucca. <laughs> I have too. I actually camped outside of Winnemucca. Um, yeah, that would be fine to pay cash for it. And then set up an arrangement where your kids pay you rent if you're living in a, you know, a compound. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and and then then if, if this might be too far ahead jumping, but at that point with what's left, rather than keeping it in cash, would that be a good time to roll it into like a Roth IRA or something? Well, you wouldn't be allowed to roll it into a Roth IRA, but here's what I will tell you. When you get there, call us. And Don't will- invest it until, get these other things settled first. Yes, get them all settled first, then call us. And I, I mean, I like the concept, uh, particularly you've got some sort of disability. I like the concept if you had a place that had a small uh, mother-in-law unit where you had your own privacy and space and you were able to, these dollars were able to pay for the entire property, because uh, if you didn't have any other expenses, uh, presumably that your Social Security could could uh, take care of your other living expenses. And if you had some cash left over, all the better. So I, I think your I think the plans. Uh, our, our main concern is that you invest in something that you don't understand that somebody sells you uh, that you can't get out of. So yes. And so when you do these things, you move out of state. Call the show, and uh, we'll answer the question then. Yeah, appreciate the call, Joan. And uh, Pat, I always find it interesting when people inherit money. It doesn't always make life better. It depends the kind of choices people make oh, with the inheritance. Have you seen it? You've seen it with siblings, right? With clients, three children, right? They all have different 
Yeah, all clients of ours. Yes. Inherited money, left so it all in the firm. all differently. And then they all react differently. Some has gone in two years, and some have been with us for 25 years. It's, um, it's interesting. Some of them have used it to actually help finance their retirement comfortably, and some big fancy, helped uh, finance a cars. really big weekend. <laughs> big weekend. <laughs> a big weekend. <laughs> you laugh. I don't know what that means, but I mean, I guess I've seen the, on television, on movies and stuff, what I guess a big weekend would look like. Yeah, weekend at Bernie's, that sort of thing. I don't think I ever saw that. But anyway, let's uh, go back to calls. 833-99-WORTH uh, will join, get you on All Worth's Money Matters. 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Mindy. Mindy, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi there. Hi, Mindy. What can we do for you? Um, so I am um, I have a property here in Sacramento. Are, uh, you, you, are, you, on a, are you on a speakerphone? Or you have your I hand over the microphone? Speaker. I just put on speaker phone because I couldn't hear very well. Is that better? Yes, yes thank much you. better. Thank you, Mindy. Okay. Okay. Um, so I have some properties here in Sacramento as well as one um, in Indiana. Um, and we are families in Indiana. So we are kind of contemplating utilizing the current seller's market um, and cashing out. Um, but we're we're kind of trying to weigh the pros and cons of each. So if we sell now, we might miss out on uh, potential rental income, um, increased rental income because, you know, all of the the rent control is coming about. And if we look at New York City and San Francisco, obviously those are metropolitan, so they have some bump, but the, the rent increases after that comes about. And then also, you know, Sacramento's kind of on the way up. So would we lose out on future increased sale price on our houses? But then on the opposite side, if we um, keep them, we are going to miss out on the current seller's market that's happening right now. And later on, we don't have the option to avoid capital gains unless we yes. get back here. Uh, how many homes do you have in, in California? So we have three. We have one that's a duplex, one um, that we just moved out of two years ago, so we could sell that as capital gains, and we're renting it out right now. And then one that we're living in right now that we could sell in two years, um, and then move back into the duplex. And so stay here, you know, for, for three years to get our capital gains all the way out of the way. So, well, the, let's talk about the one that you were living in and uh, was a rental property um, okay. that you were there. Um, th that, that one would be the first one that you would actually look at. Yes. Yeah, because if you wait another year, you're going to miss the window on this, yeah. right? And even if you right. even if right. you sold that and bought the house next door, it would make sense. It would make sense. Even the transaction cost, because you get because you because lock in it, that. You, you lock in that basis. What was your basis on that house? What did you pay for it? Uh, we paid one twenty. What's it worth today? Four hundred forty-five. Okay, yeah, so yeah, that's an, an easy. That's a no-brainer. I'd put that on the market now. Right now, I wouldn't even <laughs> well, wait. because I wouldn't even actually wait till the end of this call. I'd go okay. online and so list it. We do have tenants. We do have tenants. Doesn't matter. So should we sell with tenants? Yeah, or it does, yeah. makes no difference. Makes no difference. Okay. Not, not, okay. not at all. But cool. you well, wanna, it does make, you're going to limit the number of buyers potentially. So yeah, it makes Or them, you right. could just write the tenants a check and they leave. I don't think right, you need to do that. Use. How much okay. time is left it's on a, the lease? It's a hot market. You'll find someone will. They're month to month and they have oh. not been affected by the COVID or they, they might, they haven't told us they've been affected by it, but they might claim it if we were okay. to try to get that's, them to That's leave. an easy one. So that, that one, even if you were to sell that and buy the house next door to reset your basis. So whether you want to go to Indiana or not go to Indiana and I don't, are you going to move to Indiana at some point in time? We, we'd, we'd probably move back that way. We, we do have concerns about where California is going what do you mean? Um, I'm joking. That's <laughs> the last caller saying issues. I was like, is that this kind of question, this kind of radio station? <laughs> oh, I know. Sorry. So, uh, th so that's a no, that's a no brainer. Whether you buy in Indiana or not is completely different. Uh -huh. I, I, Indiana right. wouldn't, shouldn't be uh, the, the driver of it. Uh, no, no, it's, and it's not. Okay. Okay. All right. And then and how, how old are you, Mindy? 33. Wow. How old's your husband? We, 36. Wow. How many kids do you have? We've, well, we've, we've, we just have two young ones now. Oh, all right. You guys are great savers. We, yes, we are. We, yeah. we are very frugal. We, we pretended it was monopoly money and saved it and saved it. And every time 
we fixed up a house that we like to live in. We rented it out, wow. bought another house to fix up to rent in. And now we're on our, our third one in California. And what is your approximate family income? Um, my husband's a teacher. So it's like okay. 62. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Well, the, you, this is a brilliant strategy. And I've, I've seen others do this before as well, where you you're in the house uh, and of course, real estate markets don't always go straight up. Right? Um, right. Right. And you know, you're at the age when I start thinking about it. If you look back to the financial crisis, you were quite young and you did not personally experience a lot of pain. Um, right. Cause you we didn't lose anything, but it was harder for us to get into the job market. Yes. Yeah. And you didn't know what it didn't have a, what do you have mortgages on all these properties? Yes. And what's the mortgage on your home? Our current mortgage on the, our primary residence is 227,000. What's the interest rate? 3%. I, I mean, I look, I, I'm totally agree with Pat on you, you want to sell the house that, that you moved out of, if nothing else to, to lock in that free pass on the capital gain. Cause it's substantial. Right. And, right. and then what you do with those dollars is, um, you said you owed 120 on that. What do you owe on the duplex? Um, 208. What's the value of the duplex? 800,000. And what'd you pay or for more. it? We paid 240. So here's what, here's one thing I want you to, and we don't have a ton of time left in the program. The, the period that you are looking in for real estate home price increases has been a bit of an anomaly because you okay. were able to buy in right after the financial crisis when times were low. And it's mm -hmm. an odd time right now where home prices look relatively attractive compared to other investments. So people are right. bidding up homes because they can understand those more than Scott. They need a financial advisor. Well, there's no you, question. You there's need, a, there's too many moving parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a financial advisor. There's a good financial planner to help you kind of soak. Like, and now you mentioned you've got kids. Like, what's going to happen? You know, you yeah. want to have college savings. I think I totally agree with Pat. Yeah. The chat, though, a couple of concerns you said is you're talking about uh, prices going up. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. Right. And prices today are a reflection of the broad society's of their already anticipated beliefs of the future. That's what's pricing it today. So um, anyway, I, I certainly like the way you're looking at things and I totally agree. You with need to sit down with a qualified financial advisor, pay them for their time um, and have them lay actually, out a great financial plan. Yeah. That will help drive all these decisions. Unfortunately, we're up against the clock. It's been great being with you this weekend. Have a great weekend. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.